46 days. That was good. Wow. Yeah. I wow. expected it to be more like four weeks, but, um, yeah, it went, <laughs> fortunately my house wasn't as big of a disaster as I thought I had left it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you got I, somebody coming over to like to watch it at all or no, my next door neighbors, like I'm friends with them. So they, you know, I, I've checked in with them a few times and I also, I forgot to, um, forgot to do a vacation hold on my mail. So they were gathering my mail for me. Yeah. But after, after 46 days, guess how many pieces of mail I had that I actually had to open and look at? Honestly, probably like six, seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's and, incredible. Yeah. And like, and they threw away all the obvious garbage. Like we get a lot of promotional stuff and coupons and stuff. So they threw all that away. It was just like a giant stack of envelopes, but most of it was bills that I also, that I pay electronically, you know, like every bill I have, I pay online, but for 80% of them, I still get a, a thing in the mail. Yeah. Which Westbrook, huh? <laughs> your favorite. I uh, I, I mean I I actually I I I like him. Wait 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 a minute wait, wait, wait but how many titles has he won? I never said I didn't like Russell Westbrook. I thought he plays hard. No, but you don't like players who don't win titles all by themselves. I I that I never said. Just because I said that about James Harden doesn't mean <laughs> I feel that way for every player. Everybody's different. Well, I see that's funny because I think Harden and Westbrook are pretty parallel as far as accomplishments and career path and stuff. And just like, you know what? Yeah. I think Harden's a better player, but not, not by much. They have a similar ISO. I I think honestly, and then I'm not a huge, I don't follow basketball. So unfortunately it's a lot of the eye test just for me. And the, I, I just, the Harden style of years past I think he changed when he came to Brooklyn. I'll, I'll give him that. But the the Euro step, the pump fake, let me draw a foul when I'm shooting a three. It's just, I don't know. I, I like Russell Westbrook's grit. He The, the triple doubles. He's a good player. I've always liked him coming out of UCLA. Well, that's fine. I, I'm, you mentioned the trying to draw fouls on three-pointers. I love Lillard. I love watching Lillard, but he's the he's the worst, the biggest offender in that respect. And it's just sometimes it's so ridiculous that like you know what they should call it. They should call it T, or you know, like they should like they did with flopping for a couple of years. They should they should make those or at least make that some sort of violation. Make it an offensive foul if you try and initiate contact like that while you're going up for a shot because it is it's it's cheesy and it's not it's one of the things i hate about the nba the most and you're right those yeah. are the those are the, the three players that are best at it but i man i th- i think that's really funny because you know they do have those two separated so much because they're so like similar in my mind like not not even their games just like the way their career has gone with respect to changing teams and not winning championships. Yeah, no. Hey, Wessel, uh, I keep calling him Wessel. I don't know why. Wessel Westbrook. Westbrook. He, he's become a bit of a journeyman. And and I do think that does mm-hmm. speak to his style of play. I, I, I don't think he, he can't be an alpha dog on a team and win a championship. I don't think that style is conducive for winning. I mean, and you know, I, I think He's had good teams. He's been with KD. Um, I, I do think if KD stuck around, they would have won at least one. I mean, I think if they were all three of those guys were healthy, that would have been a totally different team. But they they need a year. That's the thing in basketball. You can't just play seven games in a regular season together and and be a you know cohesive that's team my, in the playoffs. Yeah, isn't that that's that's what I said about Brooklyn? I said it yeah. had they won. I thought that would have been really a, a bad look for the NBA because they played so little together in the regular season. I don't know if it would have been so much a bad look for the NBA as a great look for those three players and for that team. And they, you know, they, I, everyone's going to call their playoff performance a disappointment this year, but 
uh, considering how many games they played together, that's about all you could expect from them. I, I hope that I hope the team comes back intact next year because there were other guys on that roster that stepped up. So if they can bring most of that team back, and they didn't move much on Thursday. No. Well, I mean, I think it's fair to say it was a disappointment in the sense that when you bring three of the best players in the NBA together, you should – I think the expectation would be you're at least in the play uh, – in, in, in the finals, yeah. Finals, right? So I think it's fair to call it a disappointment – I don't think it's fair to play a blame game because injury was a huge part of it. it, it well, you, had, can say, I mean, you can say the same for the Lakers too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and really a lot of, t- I mean, this really was the playoff with like an, an asterisk playoff more than the COVID because last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, Hey, it, it happens all the time time injuries are part of the game but there were just a lot of high profile injuries in the playoffs this year that i mean almost let's see you had um uh what's his donovan mitchell with the jazz was was injured you obviously had two of the three in brooklyn who were injured i know james harden gritted it out he was on one leg yeah davis and davis and lebron and you had anthony davis you know lebron his injury that wasn't so much a playoff injury, right? He didn't get re-injured in the playoffs. That was just a lingering, the lingering ankle from the season. It was his groin, wasn't it? Or was it his ankle this year? I forget. One of them was last year. One of them was this year. But either way, both of those are tough, tough basket, tough NBA injuries. Yeah. And especially the way he plays so much change of direction and so much explosiveness like that. You could tell he wasn't, I mean, he really wasn't the same all last year. And, you know, that's probably one-third groin, one-third ankle, one-third fatigue from playing nine zillion games in, you know, 16 calendar months. Yeah. Did, um, and I don't, when was production of Space Jam? Did that <laughs> I'm, I'm blocking that out because there's no way. I mean, I'm, a, I'm just, I, the first one is terrible, but I love that movie so much that I, I just, I'm kind of the anti uh, remakes to begin with. And this one, there's no way it's going to be as good as the first one. Like I said, the first one was terrible. That's kind of what's good about it. Do you want me to talk? I did. I did. Uh, did, you t- did you take the kids? I did. So I actually part of, I don't know, like, you know, I, I have my summer job where I run social groups. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so my group, we had a community outing and they wanted to go see Space Jam. A new legacy. It's not Space Jam Two, Space Jam: A New Legacy. So, uh, I went with my group, and I, I happened to take my kids. Um, I, I agree. The first one was bad, but good. Entertaining, one, at least. Yeah. I just found bad. I didn't like it. Um, I, I thought at least the first one had a bit of a storyline, with the tunes kind of needing to steal Michael Jordan to win the game. The dumb storyline, but a, but a storyline that had a plot. Honestly, I did this, the one with LeBron James, it it was too forced. The storyline, it it didn't flow. I didn't feel it just, I didn't like it. My kids liked it more because it was more computer based. You're, you know, you got more cartoony. Yeah. Yeah. So they, my kids actually, because we watched both of them with my kids and, and they liked the one with LeBron better. Oh, really? Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I guess they, but they don't know Bugs Bunny or, or any of those characters. Well, and, and yeah. I wonder if that played a part because the, the tune, the, the Looney Tunes didn't really have that much of a significant role in the second one. I thought like, that's what I mean. It just, it didn't. Oh, that's didn't, uh, yeah. That would be very disappointing. I'm glad we had this this part of the conversation because now I won't have to waste my hour and 40 yeah, minutes. I, I would say I, it was made for kids. So I feel bad critiquing it like a kid movie as an adult. Well, that's the, that's but, the funny thing because space jam one was kind of made for kids, but it turned out to be an adult movie. It's one of those things like the Goonies, you know, that yeah. now there's, and I guess, you know, we all saw it as kids, but I, there's, I, you know, I, I know adults who are way too into the Goonies. The the house is in Astoria. It's like two yeah. hours west of me, and it's like a pilgrimage for all the the Gen Xers and the Millennials to to go see love, this house. I love the Goonies. Goonies, even Willy Wonka. Oh um, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so uh, you guys ready? Uh, shoot, we've been talking for 15 minutes. Where have you been? <laughs> working, man, working. Um, I'm back to getting up at 5 o'clock in the friggin' morning for this. So It's good for you, Joe. It's good for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And so here we are. Uh, I'm Big D, Western Mass. Uh, Matt, also Western Mass. Hey, go on. How's it going, Matt? It's going good. How about you, Daryl? How you been? I, I've i been uh, dealing with a little foot issue that's uh, been not super painful, but super bothersome. I Hopefully it's just a um, ligament. I can stretch it out. We'll see. But it's uh, it's been a it's been an issue. And then, you know, of course, I have my normal once or twice a week go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that your punting foot or your off foot? <laughs> I don't I don't punt. I don't. Boy, um, it's happened. I'm officially old. I had um, Ed uh, that we just heard about nine volt hard. He came and was splitting some of my firewood for me. Uh, and he left his mall there because I thought, oh, I'll split. it's fun. I always enjoyed uh, mall splitting. <laughs> so I went out and I tried the first log, hit it three or four times, nothing happened. Tried the second log three or four times, nothing happened, and realized I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm getting used to being old. Yeah. Oh, I hope, yeah, I hope that never happens, but it already is, and I'm. Well, Joe, Joe is from um, or- Portland, Oregon. Well, living there now, and uh, came out and visited us and other people out in New England and his family. Um, and yeah, Joe, it's uh, you're you're walking around with a cane. We were sorry to see that. Yeah, I need I need another back surgery. It'll be uh, my fifth spinal Ooh. surgery and fourth Ooh. on my lower back. Um, but I, it's yeah, I, I will be feeling a lot better once I do. It's just, I need to, first of all, was trying to wait out COVID because I just didn't want to be in the hospital unnecessarily, you know, while everyone's spitting germs all over the place, but I may not be able to wait because it looks like COVID's not going away, but at least I am, I am back home. I'm, I made it back home 46 days. I was on the road. Uh, amazing trip. And uh, thanks to everyone who, lended me a spare room or a couch to stay on, um, on this whole trip. It really was, it, it was, you know, simultaneously exhausting and refreshing to, to go on that long of a trip and see everybody. But, uh, you know, you talk about physical capabilities. I've been home since Wednesday and the Jeep is still half loaded. So like, that's, that's the speed I've been moving <laughs> since I've been home. How many did you track? How many total miles did you get? 8,104. Wow. 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 That's incredible. Good for you. Cause that was, and, and I I have to say, Joe, like we met for the first time a few weeks ago at the studio and you've talked about your Jeep before, but when you actually see it in person, (laughs) it it makes your trip that much more impressive. It does, especially because he gets out and repairs it too. Yeah. Um, What what is max speed in the Jeep, Joe? Uh, I mean, it'll go 75, but it's very loud at 75. (laughs) And also the problem too is it'll go 75, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop like your leaf or like any modern car. It takes, you know, probably twice as long to get it down from speed. And if I, and it also, it's not the most maneuverable vehicle either. So at 75, if someone cuts you off in a regular car, you can make a quick swerve of the steering wheel and jam on your brakes and be okay. If I do that, I'll be upside down. So I tried to keep to roads that were 55 or 60 mile an hour speed limits and do about the speed limit, but I could do. 65 pretty comfortably but again like it's it's a lot more you know exhausting and loud to drive that thing at 65 than it is at 55 the other thing was when the top's down it's much quieter and that might sound weird but the canvas flops around a lot and there's zippers and there's things that are hitting metal hitting metal and it's so much quieter with the top down but the problem was for half of this trip it was a hundred degrees or raining. So I, I would have liked to have more top down days, but 
Um, you, know, you can see like uh, the well, ones I had are not not too kind on my skin. I burned pretty badly the first couple of days, and then um, it starts to it starts to tan over after that. At least, so at least I've got I've got a nice farmer's yeah. tan. But. All right. Well, anyway, it was great that you made it out here. Um, yeah. Now you so, guys. Now you guys have to come out here next summer. That's, well, that's I'm, I'm I'm in San Diego. You know, in a I'll couple try. weeks. But yeah, it's twelve. It's only twelve hundred miles away, Daryl. <laughs> Although it's probably like a sixty dollar plane flight right about now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, we just in case they don't get it thing to mention i the so the nba had a draft and um you know <laughs> that's favorite the draft and um and we can, we can save a lot of drama if we just got rid of it <laughs> and the uh and the uh, you know as a celtics fan they they had traded away their first draft pick which actually i think was kind of a good smart move because it, it allowed them to um uh move kemba walker on uh, and they have too many young players. They, they don't need any more young rookies. So that's not too bad, um, even though it was a really deep uh, draft. But the NBA did something that was really, really beautiful. So there was this um, oh, God, no, Boston I, I, legend uh, who was, um, you know, just a great high school player, went to Kentucky, played one year, Terrence Clark. And then, you know, died in a car accident. And they just did a beautiful, beautiful tribute. Uh, the, his mom came up and accepted a thing. It just, I, I just found it super moving. I, I, maybe this will reveal that I have no soul, but I hated that so much. I hate that oh. he was an it was an intrusion. The stupid and the NBA drafts whatever his name was, Terrence Clark. Terrence Clark was meaningless. It was, it was no, so- no, 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 no. It was beautiful, and the mom. I was crying. The mom was crying. This guy was. He was going to be a really. He would have been drafted about this after his freshman year at uh, Kentucky. He would have been drafted he, right about he, where they. But he died. So and they showed a beautiful tribute to him. You are soulless. I well, well, maybe, and maybe this is the difference between having kids and not having kids. Because I also found it awful how many draft picks came up, brought their parents to the interview with Malika Andrews, and then their parents answered all the questions for him. That does that does not bode well. If I draft a guy and he can't answer a question without his mom and dad sitting behind him, I'm cutting him. I'm cutting them the first day. I didn't watch the draft. So, I, I mean, I, I, I did hear about the Terrence Clark honorary um, draft selection. I, I don't know about the interviews. Um, the interviews were pretty dumb. They, you know, they always are. They there was been. one great, there was one great interview, Matt, where um, the, I was uh, the player, whoever he was, was married and already had a little, baby about a year or two old and so you know that malika 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 um, andrews yeah yeah what she was sitting in a comfortable chair and then the interviewers were sitting on a couch and so the player didn't say that much and then the parents would have the mic but the wife had no intention of saying anything and so she gave it to her little two-year-old kid and he's sitting there and he's making a few noises in there. It was really, really pretty cute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say, I mean, I'm sure the NBA didn't draft uh, Terrence Clark without the family's permission and, and signing off on it. So, you know, as, as far as that goes, Hey, if, if, because it, it does the sacrifice that families, families make, most families probably have to make to get their kids to that level. It is a, even though the, the, the individual is drafted and, and having kids like, you know, it, it is a sense of sacrifice that the family has to go through too. So. I, I don't object to the bringing your parents up, up with you for the interviews, but it was the, the ones who, where the she would ask a question and the parents would jump in with an answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you're right. They're kids. They're most of them are 19 years old, but they're about to be millionaires. They're about to be traveling half the year. They need so, to start. On a similar topic, then Joe, 
And this wasn't really something I was going to talk about because it's not huge news, but right now the Jets and Zach Wilson. They signed him finally. They signed him. But I I always believe, and I've said this before, right, there are certain teams that just can't get it right. And there are some, unfortunately, (laughs) I, I, I was very high on Zach Wilson as a prospect coming into the NFL and then he gets drafted by the Jets and you're like <laughs> wasted because he they did finally get his contract done and he's he's but he missed like was it two three days and it's only two to three but it's get out of your own way and get his right. contract signed no you're but, right because like with the Patriots Mac Jones has been doing great uh, yeah and uh, of those of the five big quarterbacks drafted in the first round in the NFL this past year, Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to play. And Zach Wilson is definitely going to play. There's no other quarterback on the field on the roster for the jets. Zach Wilson has to be your guy. Why you wouldn't want your rookie future franchise guy in there. Day one, second one is beyond me. And it just shows dumb career get destroyed before they're made. And I'm worried, ah, I'm, as a Giant fan, I, hey, I'm kind of laughing on the inside. But, I, uh, man, I feel bad. But how are you guys following Zach Wilson's mom on social media at all? Are you catching any of those stories? No. So Zach Wilson's mom, I guess, is is a bit of a entrepreneur, social media follower she has a little bit of a following she's been openly critical of some of the things going on in uh with with her son um and people are kind of getting critical of her now interfering with her son and she's just kind of not shutting up about it and zach wilson is kind of in an in a nice son way kind of saying mom pump the brakes a little bit here. I, let me focus on my career. Let me get my career going before you really worry about your social media. And she's not backing down. She's, huh. she's kind of taking the stance of I'm strong. I can take it. I, I respect that. But she, again, this poor kid, his career might be over before it really has a chance to really get going. Well, it's funny because I just trashed a bunch of parents for doing pretty much the exact same thing at the NBA draft, but I kind of like this. I kind of <laughs> like, you know, there's an, uh, Annie Apple, she's Eli Apple's mom. I've mm-hmm. been following her on Twitter for a few years. She's kind of the same way. She's very outspoken, although she's not so much critical of her son's career because he's had a pretty good career. And, you know, been handled pretty well, but uh, yeah, I might have to give Zach Wilson's mom a follow, but it's funny. I did the, I did the, was a guest on another show on Wednesday night uh, called the Jersey boy sports show. I've done it a few times now. And um, I, I referred to at that point, he was still unsigned when we did the show Wednesday night. And I referred to that as the most jets thing that's ever happened. That he was the last, last first round draft pick sign. Oh. And the problem is the thing is now they're, they're all slotted into a salary position. It's just a matter of how much is right. 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 You is, just, you just do it. You just do right. it. There's nothing. They, they should have just given him the ceiling for what he was allowed. If he's going to yeah. be the savior of the team, you got to pay the guy right, and you got to right. pay him what he wants. But yeah. And I think the other, you know, the issue and we have, I don't think we talked about this because I think it happened on Sunday, Sunday or Saturday, but Greg Knapp, who was going to be their passing game coordinator, just a weird tragedy was riding his bike in Oakland just a couple of days before training camp and was hit and put in, you know, went to a coma and never woke up. And you don't hear this a lot about NFL coaches, but everyone, no. everything you heard about the guys that he was the nicest, sweetest, kindest yeah. guy. And these aren't things you usually hear when people are talking about NFL coaches. So he seems like a very rare individual. And, you know, he was this, this was going to be his first year with the jets. So I didn't have a whole lot of familiarity with him, but just a, a, a weird tragedy. And again, doesn't, you know, so it, it does it, not it, to keep it in this frame, but it doesn't bode well for Zach Wilson now. But is it fair to say that the last time the uh, jets had it together was Joe Namath? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean they, they they went to a couple of AFC championships with Rex Ryan, and you know they I think they got those teams they got the they most. did they did good getting a running back from the Patriots who who did well for them. Well, but they did most they got the most I think feel like that staff got the most out of the players that were on the roster at the time. And then they, you know, they had some playoff years in the eighties, you know, with, with Johnny Lamb Jones and Wesley Walker and Gastineau and Klecko. And they had, they had some good teams. They're just never, they haven't been Super Bowl contenders in a really long time. And who knows if they ever will again, but I mean, you could say that they weren't really Super Bowl contenders in 1969 when they won either. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they did have, they had those years with uh, Chad Pennington. Yeah. They were competitive. They won an AFC East title with him. They had two years with Brett Favre, I think, or a year with Brett Favre. They just always seemed to get in their own way. Um, Well, the the, the one everybody points back to is the butt fumble, but it's, that's a (laughs) typical kind of thing. (laughs) That was, that was pretty amazing. But (laughs) I don't want to get off the Celtics too far because they made a couple of trades that I think helped them out a lot. And that, so, you know, I was the first one to jump on Brad Stevens because I thought he was a terrible coach and he sort of failed upwards. But I think he's done a pretty good job so far of rearranging that roster. Yeah. No, they made a bunch of moves, and I think they got a little financial freedom, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. No, it's uh, he's been very active. It's good. I mean, they've added Moses Brown. Um, they got Horford, another big guy. Al, the other. Al, Al Horford. Al yep. Horford. And then they get Chris Dunn. And a couple of picks. Chris Dunn is a really good. I, I, he played it against UMass, Matt, um, for oh, Providence. Yeah, yeah he was a, he's a great point guard. So that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, second team point guard. Yeah, he'll be a good backup. And, you know, Pritchard yeah. and Smart will play, play the point. And then they made another deal too. Yeah. Um, they traded, they got a big guy. They used trade exemptions. Which is a smart move, so that oh, they, they had these yeah. trade exemptions that that go out after you know once the next season starts off. So they really got him for just this bookkeeping type stuff. And then the other name I've heard attached to them is Hassan Whiteside, who would be a good again, like a good fourth big man. You know, he's only going to play twelve minutes a game, and that, that's what he's capable of now. But he can still give you you know, some, some quality minutes and give you, give you six fouls too, when you've got to defend a, a dodge. Let me ask you this question about the Celtics. I feel like one thing that they were missing, maybe the last two years, a little bit of like that mental toughness, that little bit of, yes, yes. Throw an elbow in you. Hassan Whiteside is that guy, right? I mean, he's like you said, Joe, he's going to give you 12 minutes and six fouls. Right. No, they need a Barkley type uh, guy in there. The um, there was an interesting discussion for a while about Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is a tremendous talent. He's a great player, great, good defender, great scorer. But he's thirty one, um, and I, I I wouldn't have done it. I, I still feel it is true that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together. You know they need a third star. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not going to take the team up to the top by themselves. Well, they might in, in three or four years. They're twenty three and twenty four. Yeah. How many? That's basketball more than any other sport. It, it's like a fine wine. It gets better with age. It it took Michael Jordan how many years? Right. LeBron James how many years? It takes your superstars. It takes them a while. You, you kind of have to, you got to ride the wave of the aging superstars and, and then the next wave comes. So I, I still, you, I, you're right, Joe, you got to still give those two guys time because I do, they, they're good enough to be a foundation of, of a lot. Right. Of winning. So the big uh, hope for the Celtics is that this Robert Williams becomes stays healthy and becomes a really dominant center because he's a, he's really good defensively and he's really good at the pick and roll and, and uh, finishing, you know, he's when he plays, you know, that plus minus business, he's always, the team is always, Plus, and does really well when he when he's on the court. 
I, I think Horford's the move, though, that gives you more than it appears on paper because he is one of the best locker room presences in the NBA, and he'll really help those younger players. Yeah. Brown and and Tatum and yeah yeah all these guys yeah um, but they they do need another you could see it in the playoffs with um, Jay Crowder and uh, some of these veteran players that teams got that's what the Celtics are missing they have a bunch of young kids and they just need a, a few steady veterans so it'll be interesting I agree I wasn't. I didn't know what was going on with Stevens, but so far it's been pretty interesting. It's, it's a much better roster than, than what they ended the season with. And then right. on the opposite side, you got Portland who has a very, very, very valuable trade asset in CJ McCollum that they still haven't moved and they could get, you know, obviously the asking price for Ben Simmons is absurd. They want who wants Ben Simmons. Well, Ben Simmons is a good player, but not for what who Philly wants him. Oh, no. I would take him. Good I for what? Good for what? For he, D, he's one of the best defensive players in the league. But yeah, okay, yeah. fine. But so is Thibault and a bunch of other players. You know, but I if think, you have it, it, that play in the playoffs where he drove in and could have dunked the ball but was afraid he was going to get fouled and would have to go to the foul line and instead pass to a guy, that was just he's, absolutely. But he's he's the right coach or the right sports psychologist or the right system away from being one possibly. of the three, one of the right. three best players in the league. And so, possibly. you could take a chance on him and you could get him undervalued. You do it, but the problem is the Sixers aren't. The Sixers don't look at what happened in the playoffs as diminishing his value at all. They're asking for him what they would have asked last off season, which is mm-hmm. like two players and four to six picks. And he's just not worth that right now. I think, I, I think that price is going to come way down though. Start at the beginning of the year, because I think Ben Simmons is the type of guy, his size, his athleticism in the right fit with the right supports, with the right expectations for him. I think he could be seen as a missing piece to a championship puzzle. Sim- Simmons for McCollum would be a great move for both teams. The, Blazers are horrible in on defensively in the backcourt. McCollum and and Embiid would play would fit perfectly well together. They would just run pick and roll every time mm-hmm. down the floor and score 140 points a game. And uh-huh. McCollum, the, Philly's good enough on defense. They could give up Simmons and bring in McCollum, who's an okay defender. But but I I I just I'm I'm a little upset that we've gotten this far and. Daryl hasn't asked us to talk about the Yankees yet. Well, I, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I, you want to because the Yankees, buyers, man, a can, lot. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We were asking each other that in our text conversation: Are they going to be buyers or sellers? And then, boy, and they, they, they were they, they were buyers, right? Well, and they I do. Just, I'm so I I you guys know my enthusiasm for baseball has been limited to Shohei Otani pretty much this yeah. season, but Anthony Rizzo is one of the most root forable players in the league. He's mm-hmm. one of like three players in the last 20 years who, when he's asked a question, gives an honest off the cuff answer to a question. I love that he's a Yankee he, now. He's also a great defender yeah. and a really good hitter. Yeah. He's a huge upgrade for him. So is Gallo. And, Plus, I just, and isn't Gallo left-handed too? Yeah. yeah. So they took this horribly imbalanced lineup and added two left-hand sluggers. And Which they, is a brilliant move. And they they posted the lineup for the first game with these two guys, and it just like it looks like an all star team. It really does. And you know the truth is, I think they're five games over. They're just if they went one ten out of eleven or something like that. You know the the Red Sox are coming back to to earth. Um, they're only a half game up on Tampa, and uh, and playing them again today and tomorrow. I think. Uh, the Yankees could definitely, definitely be back in it. They also got a decent pitcher. I don't know. I can't remember who it was, yeah. but a, a starter who's pretty good. And they got some relief help. They really, I, I think Cashman is great. They were super aggressive. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm checking now to see if they're in the playoffs, if they started today. I think no, no, they're about they're, out or, or they're within like a game, a couple games out of the playoffs. Yeah. They are one game behind Seattle. Yeah. For the last spot. I definitely think they, they, they are buyers. They're making the playoff push. Let's not forget too. You're hoping 
Severino can come back and play. You're hoping this, this can year come back. Severino this year. I think, I, I think is he, he, is he in the minors practicing now? He was okay. the, um, minor league stints. Uh, and so, you know, th this team can, can absolutely come August, come tomorrow, um, make their, their big playoff push. And, and they are within, uh, you know, it might be tough to overtake the Red Sox or the Rays. No, I don't think they're going to win the East. I don't I, think, but, but they could definitely get in the playoffs. I think they did. Oh, the goal is just to get, to get to the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Severino has a rehab start on Tuesday. He threw a simulated game on Thursday. So, so if you, if you're making a playoff push with Garrett Cole, with Severino, uh, Jordan Montgomery's been okay. Um, Garrett Cole's been horrible. Been okay. What what is Matt? What's up with Garrett Cole? He's been horrible for a month. Horrible. He's had he well he's been inconsistent. He, you know he's, he's given up. Uh, look at his ERA. He he he's use, been he can't use sticky stuff on his fingers anymore. <laughs> no, I mean I'm 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 only one tenth joking because it's sort of the timing of his his slump if you yeah. want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I th I thought that like I thought get getting Garrett Cole was the best move they could have possibly done when they got him. Uh, he's an unbelievable pitcher, but he's getting he's giving up five six runs every time out for like the last month. This seems well, to happen. The Red Sox. This seems to happen to the Yankees though when they add that that top marquee player. When A Rod first joined them, he wasn't great for the first couple of years. You know, it seems like when they get that. That A number one guy, he's always a little bit of a disappointment. I don't know if that's G and Carlos Stanton. They, yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. because of expectations. I mean, Ed Whitson. Ed Whitson was the one of the top three pitchers in the National League when he came over to the Yankees, and he was awful for the Yankees. Randy Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he was good for the Yankees for most of the time, but he wasn't. He wasn't Randy Johnson. No, although, yeah, I mean, yeah, was, there's I something was, about the pinstripes. He was sixty-five years old by the time he came to us but um but so anyway but looking at the american league east um new york significantly improved themselves tampa bay went out and got a cruise which is a big big move and they all, i think they got pitchers too um and uh, toronto got somebody really good too and so the the patriots did get schwaber schwab the patriots the Red Sox. no the patriots the red Sox got kyle Schwarber, Schwarber, yeah. So at least, I mean, and he's injured, but but they they did not keep up. Um, but Bloom's philosophy is, you know, the other teams that did add these people, they all have deep farm systems, and they could afford to give up the players they gave up. Well, the, Yankees, the Red Sox aren't in that situation yet. The Yankees traded a lot of prospects away, but they didn't trade any of their top five minor leaguers, which no, there's, they're still in very good shape they're still loaded and for the haul they got. That was pretty impressive. So again, I, I agree. I was never always, I was never the biggest Cashman fan on earth. I feel like he was just working with an unlimited budget and anyone could do that, but he's really, I mean, he's been around forever now. He's almost, almost he, he and Brett Gardner just won't go away. <laughs> God, you know, Gardner, I don't know how he keeps playing, but he's pretty good. He was never any good to begin with, but somehow he's had a, somehow a he's fantastic 20-year career. What? I've always loved I've always loved his grit, his his tough play. I've, I've always been a Brett Gardner fan, but I, I agree, Joe. Like, he's never been one. Has he even made an all-star game? Oh, probably not. No. I mean, you look at him, he, it's hard to even see what he does. Any, what he, right. he doesn't do anything super well. He does everything okay, but he's he does everything good. He's, he's consistent. He's versatile. And that'll keep you in the league for a long, long time. I'm not familiar with the, the players' names, but they've got two or three people that have tremendous speed now, too. Ty, I, one of them is Tyler Wade. He's not super fast, but they have a couple other players that really um, – but see, this is the, the frustrating part about the Yankees. Like they don't do, they don't bunt, they don't steal, they don't they they swing. Well, it's home not run. 1974, Matt. What do you guys no, think but, of, but, of Boone? Are they winning? You tell me. I mean, I right. sure. 1974, but again, like we all agree that the Yankees have a solid roster on paper. Yet here they are, not even in the playoffs right now. So you tell me, is it working? Well, what about Aaron Boone? Do you like him as a manager? Well, I know Matt doesn't because he's just the analytic either. button pusher. I mean, I yeah. think he's 
I think he's done a good job. I mean, I think, I think he's, he's the him. opposite of Alex Cora, who's a great manager. You know, he just he um, what's that? He cheated. He didn't cheat. I don't. I'm not even going to go there. Not and to... he paid. He paid his first things. Uh, you know, but he's a great manager. Not, not to excessively plug other people's podcasts, but there's a show I listen to called The Dollop. It's two comedians, uh, Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds, and they tell these. American history stories of just like the worst people or the most insane stories. It's really funny, but they're doing a two-parter on Billy Martin. Part <laughs> so one was last week and his, just his upbringing, it helps explain what his career was like. But I sort of miss those days where Billy Martin and Earl Weaver would punch each other. You know, like I think, I feel like we're now we're stuck with the Aaron Boones and the, you know, if, and then we can talk about what happened to Tony Larusa, but we got there's lots of Olympics. What stuff. did happen? Is he, he's not managing? No, he just he said something insane again. Let's I let's 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 gloss over that because there's so much Olympic stuff to talk about. And yeah. we, we're down to about twenty. And Simone Biles is awesome. Let's yeah, let's start there because she I, is awesome. And this just like the the courage it takes to do that, and every bit of criticism. It seems to have come from the Trump crowd, right? Yes. Yep. I Fox News. That, Joe, I, so let, Simone Biles is. I don't. I, I'm trying to say it. So you, she's one of, if not the best gymnast. She's the best. Ever. She's the, the best, best ever. ever. She's the best. Yeah. There's. They had to change the scoring. The scoring rules. Because they just they realize well she's gonna she's gonna be head and shoulders above everybody else. Right. But I like so, so like I've I'll, I've watched just some of like her YouTube the YouTube clips of her most spect and it's just like it, even for a gymnast if you're watching that you're stunned I mean it's it, she has changed the sport like maybe no other athlete has changed their sport ever except for maybe Muhammad Ali I mean I, I can't I know one I, of the one of the moves she did they purposely didn't give it the the points credit that it really deserved because they didn't want to encourage other gymnasts to do this move. So right, it was too it. dangerous. But, you but know? that's her. The difficulty of the things she does kind of broke the scale. And I, like I said, I really in any sport, I can't think of another athlete except for maybe Ali. And I think I, I don't can't even say that he's surpassed her in that regard. That has made such a difference in their sport. I, I mean, I can't, we talk about these swimmers too. Phelps and Katie Ledecky have accomplished as much, but I don't think you don't, you don't build a separate pool for Katie Ledecky or Michael Phelps. And that's essentially what they've done for Simone Biles. Right. And I mean, to, to parallel it, it'd be like, you know, Joe's favorite football player, Tom Brady, his touchdown passes are only worth four points because he throws right. so many, right? right? And, and essentially, you know, oh, LeBron James is too good at basketball. So if he scores in the paint, it's only worth one point. Or, or he um, can only play 17 Brady, minutes a game, right? Right, yes. Yeah. Steph Curry, he's only allowed a certain amount of three-pointers in a game because he he's too good. Essentially, that's what it is. And, and it's... I, anybody, I, it, it, as much as this topic, you, I, in my head, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around it. We're going to have to talk about Simone Biles. We need a whole hour to talk about it. Really? Everybody step back and show. Well, you know, what she did was very brave. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody who, who thinks that they have a right to criticize her or, or really, I mean, any, any kind of athlete, think about everything that she's gone through leading up to this, whether it be the, the abuse of Larry Nasser, mm -hmm. fighting through that, being, being one of the faces of the, the, the sexual abuse scandal, and, and still getting to the point where she is literally unbeatable, so you have to change the rules and scoring to make it a competitive event. And if she needs to say, I can't do this right now, who is anybody to say really anything about it? Well, and every bit of criticism, every argument against it is is asinine. The one I, you hear, well, she she took a spot away from somebody else. 
Well, no, she didn't. No, no she, she didn't. Jade, Jade Carey, that's why they have alternates. Jade Carey yeah. took her spot. And another American, which again is another great story, uh, Suni, uh, Sunisa Lee, mm-hmm. uh, the first Hmong yes. ever, citizen ever to win a gold for, for the U.S. Ever, and, ever to participate in the Olympics. She, and she would not have, you know, Simone Biles would have won that would have won that gold. So she got an opportunity. She won a gold. Jade Carey got to participate in the, in the team all around. I mean, I, I and the, you know, the, the, anything else you hear again, it's, it's just, but it does seem to all be coming from, from the, the right wing pu- publicly and then privately, you know, in social media, it's coming from the, and maybe this is the benefit you guys have to not being from New Jersey, but there's a lot of, fake toughness in you know in amongst that crowd where well they're not back in my day we wouldn't we weren't right. able to quit and then back in our day we had Carrie Strug who with the monster Bella Caroli insisting she go on to the, do this vault on a broken ankle essentially which ended her career and this back then in 1988 we looked at Bella Caroli like a great motivator like a great coach now we see him for the 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 destructive monster that he was not to the extent that Larry Nasser was but certainly didn't do anything to stop any of that and had to at least been peripherally aware that it was going on and the more you hear about Caroli and his wife and the way they ran that the ranch gym, down there what is it the, what they call it the ranch or something yeah and they got every gymnast every american gymnast for decades went through that system so i mean just the fact that these American women gymnasts can compete at all with everything they've been through mentally and physically is, is amazing. And if Simone Biles needs to step down, needs to step back because, and if you look at her specific reason for doing it, she was afraid for her own safety. And you hear gymnasts talk about this all the time that when they get in the air, you can lose the, your spatial the, the twisties. I was yeah, trying yeah. to understand it, but well, you're, you're right. It would be, it would be terrifying to be up in the air spinning and not know where you are. Not right. And they lose the sense of their sense of orientation. And that's, that's why she cut that particular, you know, move short. And it's obviously it would be terrifying to then go and try and do that again at maximum effort under maximum pressure. So, and the other, you know, the thing is to like, you see the cartoons to this effect that everyone who's criticizing her is built like me and sitting in a Barca lounger with like a newspaper, banana peels, beer cans all over the place. So, like, you I, know, but you know what I, I think this reflects also is really um, progress in our social structure. Um, and so if you go back for a second to, you know, say football and playing through injuries, they don't do that anymore, you know, which is smart. Um, and, you know, the, the people who are under a lot of pressure because they're a leader, because they're a woman, women do not have it as easy as men to, you know, get accepted and to have all that pressure on you. And now uh, people are in, you know, no one I, I that I know is criticizing Simone Biles for saying, I can't, you know, this is too much pressure for me. I need to, I need to take care of my mental health. Same for Naomi Osaka. You guys, you guys must know better people than I do because I've got, I, there's lots of people that I see making those criticisms. It's even funny though. I do think, I think there's been progress since Naomi Osaka and that was three weeks ago. Yeah. Like, I do feel like people are a little more sympathetic with Simone Biles than they were with Naomi Osaka, you know, who's again, you know, seems to have taken control of her own, her own communication, which may be the, maybe the way forward for some of these athletes. Yeah. And it could be, and, and I'm not saying this as a judgment, but you know, I, and I think maybe it, it was kind of a perfect timing where, I, I did hear a lot more criticism and pushback of Naomi Osaka than of Simone Biles. I haven't I haven't read and, and seen too much of uh, uh, criticism of Biles. I, I know it exists, but I haven't seen too much of it. But I think there's also a distinction between just the the communication piece versus the actual physical danger that a Simone Biles. Like you said, if she's up in the air and loses orientation of where she's going to land, um, 
versus just having being scrutinized by media, maybe. But I, I agree. I think there has been progress made, and um, you know, I, I think there's a lot more progress that there are a lot more conversation has to be had about mental health in general. Um, and, and hopefully these high profile athletes being brave enough and, and able to speak on them, I think sheds light as to this stuff is real and it is there and, and people are struggling with this stuff. And I, I do agree. I think the, the reception to both has been generally supportive and generally positive which wouldn't have been the case five years ago or three right, years ago. Right. No, the, the social situation has improved, and it's good to hear. You know, uh, we're being realistic. We used to basically put these athletes up as Greek gods who are perfect and, you know, and have no and can never show any weakness. And it's they're human beings. They are exceptionally talented, but they're human beings. Well, and we started to see it, and again, sort of the the – ones that at the front socially are the basketball players, right? Cause we've seen this from the WNBA, the WNBA. and the yep. NBA for, for decades. I mean, yep. Royce, Royce white, Royce young. Yeah. Um, and Kevin love. Didn't he have yeah, some yeah. issues? Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, Chine Ogomukwe, like there's been dozens of WNBA players who have come forward about their own, their own struggles with mental illness. And it, I think it, 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 you know, we see it from certain segments, but, you know, there's still the holdouts, the two macho sports, baseball and football, where you can't you can't admit much. You can't admit weakness. I mean, look what happened. Chuck Knobloch was clearly having a mental issue. All of a sudden could not throw the ball from second base to first base after playing in the infield for 30 something years and being a great player. Right, and we couldn't, yeah. but couldn't acknowledge even publicly that it was a mental thing, and so I think, yeah, I mean that was twenty something years ago, but I feel like baseball hasn't moved forward much at all in that respect, and you know football is going to be the last last domino to fall. Uh, now, bringing up the the greatest sport in the world, basketball, uh, the uh, Olympics started this three x three. Basketball, it. it is Love spectacular. It. It's Matt, like, I think you would like it, even not being a super fan. It's so fast moving. Your kids would like it. A 12-second shot clock. It, that, it reminds me of how we played at Pearl Street Park when I was a kid. Like you right. should, you show. It's up, a lot like twenty one. It's a lot right. like twenty one. But you show up and there's seven people, so you play three right. on three with one one person switching in. If there's nine yeah. people, you know, like it was that sort of like, like you said, super fast half court, make a basket, make a basket, you grab the ball, clear it out, and go. And it was yeah, yeah it's re- super entertaining to watch. Um, a, a little bit of breaking news here: um, the Team USA men just finished up. They beat the Czech Republic and moved on to the medal round. Um, 119 to 84. It was kind of close at halftime. They were up three, but um, they're the men are looking pretty good. Yeah. Tatum Tatum was the, the big scorer in this game too. So you'd be happy to hear that Daryl. <laughs> but yeah, the, um, the three X three was, was fascinating. And they, of course. And the men didn't make it for the United States. They did not have a three on three team that qualified because it, it, it didn't win the tournament. Yeah. Which um, is surprising considering the, the three X three women's team is four WNBA players and they are, you know, top, top players. So this is, I, I that, that guy, that, that guy, I mean, I think guys now can refer to women, right? No. Yes. No, I think it can. I think no, there's a change. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Guys <laughs> refers to women? No. Also, yeah, that, that you can talk about a, a team, a, a woman's team, and say, you know, no, if you're talking about guys are good. No, if you're talking about a group of people and you want to say, hey, you guys, yeah, I guess I can sort of still accept that, although, it's again, it's kind of lazy. But if you're talking about a group of women, you're calling them guys, nah. All right, I'm going to do some research for our next show. I think it's changing. But if anything, it's changing in the other direction, and people are trying to avoid using any gender language at all. Say you all or hey, everyone. They, they yeah. Because, again, that was one of the first things. I will say – when I was back in, in Springfield College, 2004, 
my first class where I was, I was student teaching as a freshman, if I'm giving instructions and a lot of it is all right, guys, okay, guys, okay, guys. And that was the first thing that they hammered home to us was don't refer to your classes. Okay, guys, it was children, boys and girls. It was kids. Okay. Class, but we, we had to get rid of the guys. Because you're making the the girls and the women in the in whatever group that is invisible. If you're calling everyone guys, and Daryl, I know it's an old man thing, but you got you got to change. Got to change. No, 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 no. I, I I think you guys are wrong. I think it's changing. But anyway, but man, no, but I call. Right. I call it's up. changing. It's changing, but it's changing in the opposite direction. No, you think it's changing no. it. No, um, but Darryl, there's Matt, no world. Well, stop. No, you're trying to change the subject here. There's no no. No concept of the world we're in now where using male-dominated language is becoming more acceptable. I think in this case it is, but I don't have the information in front of me. Because you're I wrong. Because you're really wrong. Well, possibly. Position possibly. I'll, I'll come back. I do want to change the subject because I, I, I think that I can defend it next week. We'll bring it up next week. Oh, my okay? God. Oh, you God. Got it I, I just, so next week, for all, everyone listening, right, next week, Daryl is going to explain why referring to a women's team as the guys is acceptable. Yes. I'm a, I, Joe, you and me, mark it down on your calendar, folks. I, 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 the, one, the only thing I can think of is that he's confusing the use of man-to-man defense, which they do still use when they talk about women's basketball, which, again, probably won't, ha- won't be happening three years from now. Yeah, I, I don't know, Daryl. I'm, I'm... We could have a two-for-one. We'll have this we'll this because this debate is going to last four seconds, and then we could do the draft thing, which is equally as preposterous. But so, what else has been good in in the uh, Olympics? Well, uh, not necessarily good, but the uh, Japan just announced this ex- expanded state of emergency. Uh, Thirty-eight hundred new cases in Tokyo, uh, eleven hundred sixty-four in Kangawa, eight hundred sixty-four in Saitama, five hundred six in Shiba. Like with the thousands and thousands of new cases in Japan. Gee, I wonder why. Well, I you know, why they're having an explosion. Of yeah, COVID. no, I agree. And, and there shouldn't have been an Olympics, I don't think. But um, I, what I'm curious about is why Japan isn't better vaccinated. It's not like it's a poor country. I don't know. what. Let me see if I can find They're only out. like 20% vaccinated. And that makes... way behind us, though, in, in vaccinations as much as... as... Uh, yeah, true. Not, not Canada's passed us. us so no, Canada's passed us. Japan is at 32% fully vaccinated. Yeah, Canada passed us because everyone that wanted the vaccine in the U.S. got it pretty quickly. And now now it's just a battle to get this, but, this last 30% who... Right, but don't you think it's improving? Don't you think people are seeing that this Delta variant means... I, I think you're seeing vaccinations go up, especially like in Alabama and stuff, places like that. It doesn't seem to be happening quickly enough. And I don't think we're broadly enough. I think you might get a handful of people in these first couple of weeks of this push. But beyond that, I mean, there's people are stubborn. And if they think they're right, they're going to be right no matter how wrong they are. <laughs> At this point, let me ask you guys a question. At this point, I, I almost feel like if you didn't get vaccinated, it's on you. And what else? Like, I guess I'm kind of feeling at this point, I COVID is not going to go away. It It's going to turn into a flu. What I mean by that is if you're vaccinated, if you get sick, it's not going to be as severe. If you're not vaccinated, it might be more severe. And let's kind of, we move on. No, it will I mean, be. It will I be still, more severe. I still am confused as to how and why, if, if I'm unvaccinated, how that is a danger to people I'm with. Okay. Because you're more, you're more likely to transmit it 
to someone, whether or not they're vaccinated or not, the, if if more people got vaccinated, the, the spread of it would eventually stop. Right. Because it and, would, and so what, what would be good about that would be you'd have less virus replicating. And that's where the Delta variant came in through, and that's, through that's, all this v- viral activity. And so, that's, how it's, that's how it's gotten ahead of us now, too, to where right. I, I think you're right, Matt. We may not ever be able to catch up to it where this might be a years and years of booster shots and and variant adaptations and more booster well, but that's, I mean, more. that's what viruses do. That's my point. Every year, the flu virus vaccine that I get every year is a vaccine against last year's variant of the flu. Right. You're absolutely and, right. But we had a chance to, to beat it. We had a chance to kill it, to stop the spread. If everyone had been vaccinated in the spring when they were supposed to be, you look at these spreads. Well, but, but, the last, to be fair, in the spring, everybody couldn't have been. Yeah. In most states, you could. In most states, you could be vaccinated by the end of May. I'm... Well, I got I'm, mine in April. I got mine I, I in guess, April. What I'm saying but, is I'm vaccinated. I very well can still get it, and I can still transmit it. But right, that's what they found. More serious but reaction to getting it. But you're, they're also finding that most of the transmission among vaccinated people is the Delta variant, which sprung right. up sort of after we could have reached herd immunity. Again, this is something that's been new just in the last couple of months when we were kind of close to that 70% mark already, where if people had been more willing to get vaccinated, we would have hit that, that 70, 74% number that the CDC talks about for herd immunity, and it would have stopped spreading or at least maybe not. Completely. It would, no, but it would have been more like the flu. Well, you know, it, would, uh, it wouldn't be as prevalent. And now, you know, we see, right, you're right, Matt. The, the people that are dying are unvaccinated, but the spread would be much less and the, there'd be much less of, a, of an opportunity for these variants to pop up if more people were vaccinated. And we right. were close to that number. So that makes it all the more frustrating that now we've slipped back as far. But the same thing happened last summer, right? It was getting better, and then the weather got nice, and everyone went back to normal. Like there was no no pandemic, and then we ended up in in the worst position in the fall. And you know the weather's going to get bad, and kids are going to go back to school, and it's just going to get worse. Well, I guess I just kind of feel I I I could buy at the beginning before the vaccines are out. I, I like, right. I always felt like if I got sick, my age, my health, I'm probably okay. But I, but I understood Daryl, you're not in that same situation. No, I I wouldn't have been okay. If I get sick and pass it on to Daryl, that's just, that's just a problem. And that, that was a problem. Now I, I kind of feel like if you're not vaccinated, it's, it's almost by choice at this point. And if I, I, I'm vaccinated if I get sick and I transmit it to somebody who, who made a choice not to be vaccinated, I, what do you want? I mean, I, that's where I kind of feel like it's the flu. I never once in my life thought during flu season I shouldn't go out to the mall. Yeah, but, but it's wait not, a minute. It's but, not the but, flu. The flu doesn't kill people like this. The flu doesn't flu. But if now you're, if you're vaccinated, you're not go. You're not dying from this. It's the unvaccinated. No, but but, but, but right. the more people are vaccinated, the, the less likely it's going to spread at all. That's the right. thing. It doesn't matter who gets it, how bad. The matter is matters. The you have to look at the umbrella, and if everyone's not vaccinated, more people are going to get it and getting so it right. You, you and don't get, and you don't it's going up now because of unvaccinated people. And even that's why the rate's are, going up. And you don't have to end up on a respirator, end up with long-term damage. You don't have to get really sick to end up with yeah. heart damage or cell damage. It doesn't, it's not a matter of, well, unless I'm pushed over this threshold, it's the same as not having it. It's a, you're, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are going to get it because this extra 6%, this marginal 6% won't get vaccinated. And we're so close. We're so close to, to having enough people vaccinated where it would stop spreading and we're not, we're never going to get there. Well, I don't know, but I mean, it, it's been encouraging the last couple of days that the amount of vaccines have been going up been being administered. Yeah. Not nearly as fast as the number of infections. Yeah. So. I, don't know, I, I feel like, look, I, yeah, I believe we should be vaccinated. I don't necessarily see why you wouldn't want to get vaccinated. I don't know, but I, I'm kind of, I, I guess 
my point is I just, I don't have the, the sympathy, I guess, if you're making a choice not to get vaccinated. That, that's but you're, make, you're making a choice to drive down a highway at 120 miles an hour, you know, not worried about which, which lane you're in. It's, it's not, not, it's, it's not, not a matter a, of, of having sympathy for the person who's not getting vaccinated. It's having sympathy for the people that they're going to kill by not being right. vaccinated. It's not about well, that keeping person. The alive, keeping the disease alive. But if I'm vaccinated, I like, I, I feel like I, that's my point. The people who, <clears throat> excuse me, who are dying are unvaccinated. Right. But they're also giving it to people who are vaccinated, who are getting sick, who don't need to be getting sick. And just because you're not dying from it doesn't mean you're not being damaged or you're not inconvenienced or you're not spreading it to other people. You know, people who have kids, your kids aren't vaccinated yet. So if some unvaccinated D bag gives it to you and you bring home the Delta variant and give it to your kids, you'll feel differently. It's not just about those selfish people. It's about the other people that they affect around them. It's a little yeah. bit, it's a little bit like wearing a mask. You wear a mask to protect yourself, but also to protect other people. You get vaccinated to protect yourself, but also to protect other people. Are, are you guys back to wearing masks at all? Yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah. I, I wear it every indoor place I go. And I'll continue to do it because it's, 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 uh, you know, the, the Providence, um, Providence town, yeah. they found out that uh, vaccinated people, carried a, a lot of virus load. That's what, what the problem is with this variant is vaccinated people can carry a ton of it. And so not that they get sick, but they, it's, it's easy for them to pass it and on. And that's the other thing too, Matt, the more we allow these things to spread, the more variants are going to pop up. And if everyone got vaccinated, it would stop spreading. And again, I'm, I'm with you. We can only control ourselves. Right. And we've, we've all, we've all very got vaccinated very quickly, but there are, Lots of uh, selfish, irresponsible others out there. All right. Well, in our last 30 seconds, what's uh, what's going on? What, what Anybody want to add anything else? Thanks for Something listening, we've... folks. Download, <laughs> like, subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're listening uh, on the radio, we appreciate you tuning in. And listen to Daryl's Kids Show, uh, 8 o'clock, right? Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. 8 o'clock Saturdays. So, 8 o'clock Saturday morning, one hour. And uh, I really enjoy it. So thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And next week to hear Daryl be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.